Well, welcome to Bible Institute, Wednesday night Bible Institute. Um, we have a, and I know I say this all the time, but it goes on the thing too. Uh, our Bible Institute uh, not only meets here, but we have students from all over the world. As of this morning, we had 668 students uh, actively pursuing at one level or another some sort of degree with us. Our Bible Institute is absolutely free. You can earn an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree in ministry, or you can just take classes and learn, and uh, that's all good. There's 110 or 11 courses online now. What we do on Wednesday nights is I kind of pick some and work through them slowly here uh, on campus, just sort of an audit basis, and uh, so you can kind of get a feel for what's going on. And so we're doing a New Testament survey right now, a survey of the Bible, it's just kind of working through passages and chunks and chapters and, and wherever we're at. It gives me some flexibility on what I, where I'm going to stay and focus. And so I'm going to actually take some of that um, today and uh, we're the Gospel of Mark. I talked a little bit about Mark last week. And I'm, I'm not going to do a whole lot of working through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, and we're, gonna, we're actually going to... Uh, I'll set it up a little and talk about a couple of the main verses. And we're going to slide right into Luke. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have a lot of similarities. There's some differences in them, but they're, they're very similar in a lot of ways. They're called the synoptic gospels. And, and so a lot of their um, stories and stuff are very, very similar. It has to do with the guys and their personalities and how they were together. Uh, and then John's a little different. But I think we'll, we'll spend some time more in Luke because um, Luke will set us up for Acts when we get there. So uh, as I said... Um, Mark uh, was the uh, author, that's John Mark, is the uh, uh, author of the book of Mark, and, and uh, he, he was an associate of the apostle Peter, uh, and, uh, and so, so Mark got his information about the, the first, you know, what was going on through Peter uh, and his time with him, and Peter, you know, obviously told him, remember the guys, uh, the, the guys that were around Jesus were out doing ministry and didn't start writing anything right away because they were just, they were telling their stories uh, wherever they went and the stories of Jesus wherever they went. And they assumed that Jesus was coming back. They didn't know there was going to be a long period of time. They'd seen him go and he said, I'll be back. And they didn't know how long that was. And so uh, at first they didn't see the necessity of writing everything down. But after he had, uh, Jesus had tarried for some time and they started getting older, uh, it, it, they realized, that, hey, we better start writing some of these things down while they're all still around and kicking and you could get to them and talking. So we start seeing um, the Gospels pop up and, and uh, the Holy Spirit inspired guys like Mark who had, who had been around, uh, not only Peter, but Paul to, uh, you know, start writing down some of the events that he, as he understood them. And so he did that. As I said last week, this Mark is uh, the John Mark uh, of the Bible. Um, he, uh, he was with Paul and Barnabas on, on their first missionary uh, a journey. He left them uh, in the middle of the journey. We're not sure why. When the second missionary journey came up, uh, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark again, John Mark, and Paul said no. He left us the first time. They actually had a bitter, a pretty bitter dispute and uh, um, kind of split up at that moment, it, which God uses. And, uh, and so uh, uh, Barnabas and John Mark went in one direction and doing the stuff, and Paul and Silas Paul picked up Silas, and they went and did their mission and journey. But later on, uh, we know that um, 
Paul wanted Mark back with him, so obviously God had worked through that situation, and uh, he calls for Mark in 2 Timothy 4. Mark was probably the first of the Gospels written, AD 55, and uh, we did a lot of time in Matthew, and I said Matthew was written to um, Jewish um, readers. Mark was really sort of targeting Roman believers in the process, particularly Gentiles, and a uh, couple of the big verses, uh, Mark 1.17, uh, it says, come follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. He brings that idea into the process uh, about what that looks like. Mark 10.45, shed some light uh, on Jesus' ministry. The Son of Man did not come to serve, but uh, not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so the, the mark is interesting. It's, a, it's, a, it's worth, uh, certainly worth your time to read, and hopefully you've been reading it. I always think of a, a, a story, because Mark's not very long. It's 16 chapters, I believe. And uh, there's always a story of the pastor who says to his flock, he says, hey, next week we're going we're gonna to study Mark chapter 17. Everybody read it, and we'll get ready to do it. And then they come in the next week, and he said, how many of you read Mark chapter 17? Like the whole group raises their hand. And he goes, okay, well, there you go. <laughs> so... But I wouldn't do that to you. Uh, but I always thought it was kind of funny. So um, Mark, really, um, because of his readers, it's very simply written. It moves very quickly, sort of from episode one episode in the life of Jesus to another. There's no genealogy the way there is in Matthew um, because the Gentile readers really wouldn't have cared about uh, Jesus' lineage. They wanted to hear more about what he did and what his life was, what his teaching was, and... Uh, and so it's a, it's a narrative, Mark, is it's written to reveal Jesus as Messiah, um, not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. And, and so there's a lot of great stuff in there. So take the time to read through it, and uh, I think you'll be blessed. But I'm going to move this on into the book of Luke, and we'll set Luke up. Uh, so Luke uh, and, and the book of Acts were both written by Luke. Uh, and Luke was also a companion of Paul. Uh, it's believed that he, he was a, a Gentile physician, a doctor. Um, and uh, he wrote very specifically about the healing miracles of Jesus. Uh, and he, he was not an eyewitness to um, the events in the gospel. But uh, a lot of people think Luke borrowed or used um, a lot of Mark's reference material, but he had access to the same uh, guys, particularly with Paul. And, uh, and so in his accounts, he, he would have picked up a lot of that. And um, he did a lot of research, Luke. Luke was a very detailed historian. And, and so uh, and with his uh, training, he, he took a lot of notes in very detailed ways, and it comes out in his writing and in the process. Uh, Luke was probably written a little bit after Mark, somewhere around uh, 60 AD. Uh, Luke has a lot of the same material as Matthew and Mark, but Luke has specifically uh, uh, two stories that aren't in the other Gospels. The Good Samaritan and the Prodigal Son are in Luke, but not in the other Gospels. And he also uh, talks about, which we may get to today, uh, the angels rejoicing at the birth of Christ. So he has a very interesting uh, setup of Christmas. We might get into that. And Luke, if you take the book of Luke and the book of Acts together, it comprises over a quarter of the New Testament, 27%. So it's a pretty big chunk of our New Testament was written by Luke. Um, both Luke and Acts are written to uh, 
to Theophilus, and Theophilus means lover of God. So uh, it's thought that Theophilus was an actual person who was a, was a Gentile, because the, Luke has a very uh, Gentile theme to it. Um, uh, it's what means lover of God, friend of God. Um, but if it wasn't written to a, an actual person named Theophilus, then it was written to all of us as the friends of God and uh, the lovers of God. So it, it's a, if, it's, if it's not really Theophilus, a person, it's written to all the rest of us. But we believe that it was. And, uh, and so he, he wrote so that Theophilus could have an understanding of everything that Jesus had done and what it was all about. Luke uh, has a genealogy in uh, his gospel, and uh, he actually traces Jesus back to Adam uh, and not Abraham, the way that Matthew does. It goes back uh, a little further, and uh, he focuses a lot on the prayer life of Jesus. He focuses a lot on the Holy Spirit and on the kingdom of God. So um, with that in mind, let's, let's start to dig in. So uh, he um, begins his gospel in Luke chapter 1. Let me read you 26. And uh, so this is the, it's starting the Christmas story. So did, Christmas is like not that far away. Can you believe that? Like 16 weeks? That's crazy. We've been, this has been quite a year, right? This past year has been, has been something to you... Uh, for, for those of you who, if you're, if you're watching my video or something, we're coming up on one year of dealing with Irma. Really, really quite a, uh, quite a changer, uh, just in the way that, that life happens and the way you look at life and even sort of recovering from it. And uh, maybe after a year dealing with some of the fallout and the trauma and stuff. But anyway, uh, Christmas is coming again, as it does. Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. You're to give him the name Jesus. He'll be a great, he will be great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be uh, called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her own age, and uh, she who is said to be barren in, is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Big verse there in Luke 137. Nothing is impossible with God. It's great to kind of hang on to and remember. Should be one of those verses you have memorized. Because nothing is impossible with God. So I think one of the issues we have in our day-to-day lives is we often forget to keep God in the equation of our lives. And I want to encourage you, don't let it happen. He's, he's God. Don't, don't ever forget that He's God and that you just never know what He may do at any moment because He's God. And I, I do think that we tend to sort of live life 
thinking out what we can do or can't do, and, and we get stuck in that. But nothing's impossible with God. You never know what God is going to do. So uh, Mary was described by God as highly favored. And, and the word actually comes from a single Greek word that means much grace. And so Mary received God's grace. And uh, Mary, grace is a very, very cool thing. Mary um, was present at the cross, it says, when Jesus died in John 19. She was also with the apostles on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1. Uh, but after that time in Acts chapter 1, Mary is no longer discussed in the Scripture. So uh, in the early church, she did not have a prominent role in the Scripture. So very, very kind of interesting thing, but pretty significant in, uh, in the process of uh, cooperating with the Holy Spirit and bringing Jesus into the world. You know, Jesus had to be born miraculously to, so that he could be sinless, right? He had to had to be, and the sin, you know, that that the thread was popping through the blood and and sin and the carrying of it, and so uh, his miraculous birth was very important in that way. Um, so Jesus was born, and I always think this is kind of interesting. So, so Jesus' birthday was it like December twenty fifth zero 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 zero? No. Um, so, so let's look at why it wasn't and what that looks like. First off, you know, we don't know that it was December anyway, any day in December. That just got, the church picked that at some point in time and said, here's the day, boop, and we just historically, have, and it's not worth fighting over. It's a great day. So uh, you've got to celebrate it someday. So pick a day and you celebrate it. But nobody knows the, except for God, the exact date wasn't recorded then, and the the calendar, so when the monk, there was this, the, the main monk who came up with a calendar did his best work at getting us a point in time, but scripturally he missed it by a few years in, in one direction or the other. So um, here's, here's what we know. We know from Matthew 2.1 that Jesus was born during the days of Herod, the king, and Herod died in 4 BC. We, we know that historically. So we have a parameter to work with. Um, we, we also know that Joseph and Mary fed, uh, left Bethlehem with Jesus, and Herod had ordered all the boys two years and younger in the vicinity killed. So um, Jesus could have been as old as two before Herod's death, but no older than that. So the date of his birth was sometime between 6 and 4 B.C. That scripture is very clear on what happens. Luke um, 2, we also get some other ideas that we can sort of help in there. Uh, in Luke 2, 1, it says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And um, we know that Caesar Augustus reigned from 27 B.C. to A.D. 14. And so... Uh, he governed Syria um, around this time period, which records a, a, a census that included Judea. Historically, now there's a census that they know was taking place there in approximately 6 B.C. And uh, so some scholars would say, well, that maybe that's not the one that's talked by Luke, but it, it appears to be the same event. And, and so based on all of those things put together, the birth of Christ was sometime between 6 and 4 B.C., in 
the process. Also, Luke tells us that when Jesus began his ministry, he was about 30 years of age. So, uh, uh, and, and we also know that it was Luke 3, 1 and 2, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judah, Herod, tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of uh, Ituria and Trachonitis and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. So he began his ministry during the time of John the Baptist while he was ministering in the wilderness. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate was governor, uh, and uh, all these things were happening. The only time period that fits all of those facts is around A.D. 27 through 29. Jesus was about 30. That, that chronology... Um, would, would uh, ha- have him at that time, the birth sometime between 6 and 4 B.C. So he would have been about 32 when he started his ministry, approximately. So there you go. And, uh, and so we, we don't know the exact date, but what we do know is this, that his um, birth changed everything. And uh, the date that we have to celebrate is a perfectly good day. And so don't, because some people will go, oh, we don't even know what day it is. I'm like, I don't, whatever, it, we, there has to be a day, so this is as good a day as any. And uh, he, the, the, the monk did a good job with his math. He got it pretty close. And uh, so we're, we're within a few years there in the process, and, and that's all well. But uh, what we know about his birth is that it changed history forever. So everything since is different. And if you think about it, the birth and death of Jesus, how many lives have been impacted around the world over the last 2,000 years because of that, one of, that, that event? Pretty, pretty significant. It's the reason we're here today uh, in the process. So that's what we know about his birth. And if, if you want to stick with December 25th, 0000, I'm good. We can be buddies. It's okay. So... Um, that we don't hear much more about Jesus until he's 12. Uh, he's at the temple in Luke 2, 41 through 52. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents returning home, the boys, Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. So I always think that's funny. That's, so Mary knows. They know who he is, right? I mean, because she, miraculous birth and Joseph was in on it because of a dream, and so they, they knew Jesus wasn't just like any, any, any normal kid, uh, and they had all these promises, and they go to the temple, and they're leaving, and they look, and he, he ain't in the van. You know what I'm saying? The caravan. Can you, I just always wanted, we've lost God. How, how is this possible? We're probably in pretty big trouble at this moment. So, it's like, we only had one job. <laughs> So it says they, they start to look for him among the friends and relatives. He's not there, and so they have to go back to Jerusalem. Three days later, can you imagine? They found him in the temple courts. And he's just hanging out, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Should include some of them into something. When they saw him, his mother said, Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you, as you can imagine. Why were you looking for me, he said. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they 
They didn't understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them because he was Jesus and he had to be. He, had, he lived a sinless life, right? And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Other than those verses, we don't know anything else about Jesus' childhood um, and, until he makes the entrance onto the scene uh, with his ministry at the age of 32 or so. So um, we don't know what happened. Now that time period, a lot of people would try and fill with a lot of ideas and they have him doing all sorts of amazing weird things and that's why they have a lot of cults have sprung out of what he did in that 18 years that we haven't accounted for. But uh, uh, from this instance, until he was about 30 and got baptized, we don't know anything scripturally and God apparently is good with that. We don't need to know anything other than that. So uh, that kind of gets us there. That sets us up for more of what's going to happen. And Luke, I think you're going to enjoy it. But that's enough for today, I think. I think we got a good start on it. And now we're, and now we're ready for Christmas. <laughs> if you're watching by video, thanks for watching. We'll, we'll hop back in next week. And uh, we hope to see you then. God bless you. <laughs>